you have your Bible this morning, I want you to open it to the first book of the Bible, to the book of Genesis, to Genesis chapter 2. As we did for Mother's Day, I want us here on Father's Day to step away from the book of Philippians. And in so doing, I want us to come back to the beginning to understand what really should be the priority and what is the greatest need of a man's life. I ask you to turn to Genesis and Genesis chapter 2. And here in Genesis 2 and verse 7, we see the Lord God formed man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. It is here where man started under the sovereign hand and creation of God. And if we were to continue to read here in Genesis chapter 2, from verse 7 down to verse 17, what you would see is man's relationship with God. Then beginning in verse 18 down to verse 24, 23, you would see then man's relationship with his wife. And then to close out the chapter into chapter 2, in verse 24, you will see, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh, which is then telling us man's relationship with his children. And it is significant, the order that God presents these relationships, because they are the order of the priority that they should be in any man's life, or really in any woman's life. Understand, when you're reading Genesis chapter 2, especially beginning there in verse 4, what you really have is just an extension, greater detail of the sixth day of creation. It was on the sixth day that God created the man and God created the woman. And so here it is, man's relationship with God, man's relationship with his wife, and man's relationship with his children. And understanding that chapter 2 is just filling in some of the details that God didn't give us in chapter 1 on day 6 when God created the animals and when God created the man and God created the woman. It's important then to go back to chapter 1 for just a moment and notice what it says at the end of the sixth day when God had created the man and God had created the woman. In verse 31 of chapter 1, God saw all that he had made that includes the man, that includes the woman. And behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning and there was the sixth day. That is significant to see that, beloved, when God says that everything that he saw that he had created, that it was all good, it was all very good, which means, beloved, the relationship between man and God was good and right. The relationship between the man and the woman in coming together as husband and wife, at this point in time, it is good and it is right. Now at this point, obviously, there are no children, but the relationship the man would have had with his children would have been good and right at this point in the history of mankind. 
There's no sin. But sadly, in chapter 3, everything changed. And when sin entered into the world, all of those relationships were touched. Man's relationship with God was stained. Man's relationship with his wife was tainted. Man's relationship with his children is now much more difficult. All because sin entered into the world. When Adam and Eve chose to disobey God, when Adam chose to listen to the voice of his wife instead of listening to the voice of God that had spoken to him already about not eating from that tree of the knowledge of good and evil, he brought sin into this world, and when he brought sin into this world, it had a devastating effect on those relationships that just earlier in Genesis chapter 1, God said they were very good. Everything was good. But when sin entered in, you can go to Genesis chapter 3 with me for a moment, and what you'll begin to see Again, the same order beginning to unfold. Who is it that God comes to first? He comes to the man first. And you notice the relationship between God and man has now really been severed in that when God approaches the man, what does the man do? The man runs. He's hiding from God. He doesn't want to be in the presence of God anymore because of his guilt and his shame and his separation from God spiritually that has happened. Whenever God does confront the man, you begin to see there's already now damage that's been done between him and his wife because when God approaches the man and says, what is it you have done? What does he do? He points to her. He's not standing up for her. He's not trying to support her at this point. He's not trying to lead her. He's trying to blame her. So the relationship between man and God has been damaged, between his wife has been damaged. Then you go on over to Genesis chapter 4 and you see where the man and the woman, Adam and Eve, finally have children and we see that one of those children by the name of Cain rebels against his parents, rebels against God and kills his own brother. You say, why are you pointing this out? Well, beloved, I want you to see from all of this as we go back here into Genesis is that the relationship that a man has with others, that the priority in his life, where it must start, is with a relationship with God. It starts with a relationship with God because, beloved, the greatest need of any man here today, the greatest need of any woman here today, the greatest need of any person here today is to know that they have been reconciled to God, that they have a relationship with God because, beloved, a person can't be the husband, they can't be the father, they can't be the man or the woman that God has called them and created created them to be unless they are reconciled to God. Yeah, that's where it starts. You see, that's the way God intended it. When God created the man and the woman, He created them to live under His 
sovereignty and to live dependent upon Him, loving Him, worshiping Him, raising their children to, to love and to worship Him, and then for them to lead and to go out and have their own families, and those families do the same, and for them to fill this earth. Remember, He said, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth, but fill the earth with people who are lovers and worshipers of the one true God. But they can't do that now because, remember, sin entered the world. Sin entered this world. It had an uh, impact. Of all the relationships that you have in this life, the one that must be of the top priority in your life is the one with God. Because it reminds you of what happened whenever they did this. Go back to Genesis chapter 2. And remember what God promised the man. In Genesis chapter 2, begin reading with me in verse 16. The Lord God commanded the man, saying, From any tree of the garden you may eat freely, but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat from it you will surely die. This was a promise God made to the man. The Bible teaches that there are three types of death. There is physical death. And if you have any questions about whether physical death entered into the realm of mankind, all you have to do is go over to Genesis chapter 5 and just read that chapter. It is an obituary. It's all it is. It is an obituary. From the generation starting with Adam, it keeps moving down where they lived and they died. They lived and they died. They lived and they died. Physical death is whenever the soul of the man, remember when God breathed into the man, he became a living being. So there's the outward part of the man, his body, and then there's the inward part, the immaterial part, and that's his soul that resides inside of him. And beloved, when a person physically dies, their soul departs from their body. And that's physical death. But there's also what the Bible teaches that is spiritual death. And spiritual death, beloved, is when a person is spiritually separated from God. They don't have a saving, uh, reconciling relationship with God. They are separated from God. Ephesians chapter 2 teaches us that all of mankind is spiritually separated from God. We're all spiritually dead in our sins and in our trespasses towards God. And then the third kind of death is eternal death. It's also referred to in the book of Revelation as the second death. And the eternal death is when a person will spend all eternity in the eternal lake of fire separated from God. They're separated from God. You say, this helps us to understand then why a person's greatest need in all of the world, the greatest need in your life, and I'm sure some of you have some needs that are some very... Big needs, difficult needs. But none of them compare to this need. 
And that is your need to be reconciled to God, beloved, because if a person, any person here today, if you die physically while still spiritually dead, separated from God, you will experience eternal death. There's, there's no second chance on the other side of physical death. It stops right here in this life. Thus, we all are in need. This is the situation. This is the reality of the situation. That we're all naturally separated from God. We're all sinners by nature and by choice. We all sin and come short of the glory of God. We're all naturally children under the wrath of God. We're all naturally spiritually dead in our sins and trespasses. We're all in need of being rescued from eternal death. But beloved, it gets worse than that. Because the Bible also teaches us none of us are good. Do you ever stop and think about that? You, you come to the end of chapter 1 and God looks down at His creation including man, and he says, everything is good. And then we come later on in the Bible, in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, they both say, there are none who are good. We went from everybody was good to no one's good. That's what sin does. That was the effect of the sin of Adam. When it said sin entered into the world and it didn't just stop with Adam, it spread to all those who are in Adam. Well, guess what? We're all in Adam. Thus, we're all sinners. And none of us are good, none of us are righteous, and none of us just seek after God on our own. We need to be reconciled to God. Yet we don't have the disposition and we don't have the desire to do so. Not naturally. We see that when you go to Genesis chapter 3 with Adam. When God comes on the scene, remember, and God approaches Adam, there's nothing in Adam that wants anything to do with God. He is trying to cover himself up because remember, if you want to, again, notice that, the, go back to chapter 2. Look at the very last verse of the chapter. Again, sin's not in the world. The man and his wife, they're both naked and there's, there's no shame at this point. But when we come to Genesis chapter 3 and they both have eaten from the, from the tree, from the forbidden tree, they're trying to cover themselves because it says in verse 7, the eyes of both of them were now open. They knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loin coverings. And when God comes on the scene in verse 8, they go and hide themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. They're running from God. They're in need of God to rescue them, to God, for God to restore them. And beloved, that is the good news of God's Word. It starts here in Genesis chapter 3. I mean, Genesis chapter 3, I mean, you could title it the fall of man, but you also see God in action immediately being the Savior of man. It is God who comes to man. It is God who calls to the man. It is God who confronts the man about his sin. And it is God who then covers the man for his sins. 
God is the one who is the Savior who comes seeking and saving after lost man, lost mankind. God did for man what he couldn't do for himself. And that's the same is true for all of us here today. You can't do it for yourself. Again, go back and think about this. Notice, go back to Genesis 3. And notice in verse 7 is when they cover themselves. So you need to ask yourself the question. They have now covered themselves with loin coverings. God comes on the scene. Did their efforts to cover themselves do anything to reconcile the situation that they had with God? The answer is no. Why? Because they kept hiding. Why were they hiding? They weren't, they weren't naked anymore. They had, they had coverings. But you see, their coverings could not take care of their shame. It could not take care of their guilt. It could not remove their sin. It couldn't remove the problem that they had with God. That couldn't happen that way. And beloved, we're in the same boat. There's nothing that you and I, there's nothing we can do that can somehow make us right with God, that can somehow reconcile us back to God. You can try to put on all the coverings you want to cover up your sin and your guilt and your shame that's there, but nothing will work. We're in the same boat that they were. That is, we need God to come to us. We need God to call to us. We need God to confront us. And ultimately, we need God to cover us. We have to be covered by God. And beloved, the wonderful news is, is that God has provided the covering. And He comes to us by His Spirit and by His Word, when the Word of God is declared to us rightly, God is calling and He's coming to you. And He's confronting you. And He's confronting you about your sin. He's confronting you really about your rebellion against Him. That's what God was doing with Adam. He's confronting Adam about his rebellion. And beloved, we're all rebels in that sense in our heart. And God comes confronting us about that. We must put our faith in the provision that God promises. And beloved, we know that that provision, that promise, is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to these Bible verses just to help us to understand this. In 2 Corinthians 5.19, we're told God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. We're told in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21 that he that is God the Father made him that is Jesus his son who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Over in the book of Colossians chapter 1 and verse 19 in the first part of verse 20 we're told for it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in Him, that is, in Christ, and through Him, through Christ, to reconcile all things to Himself, having made peace through the blood of His cross. We're told in the Gospel of John by Jesus Himself in John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through me. 
Brother, what I'm sharing with you today is that the only way a person can be reconciled to God is through Jesus Christ. The only way a person can have peace with God is through Jesus Christ. The only way a person can actually come to God is through Jesus Christ. And you come to God by repenting of your sins and putting your faith in Christ. Turning from your sins, trusting in Jesus, trusting in His life. Trusting in his death, trusting in his resurrection, knowing that you offer nothing to cover yourself, that you know that you are exposed before a holy, just God who can pour out his wrath on you at any moment and be just, and you know that you're exposed, and you have nothing here you can offer to cover yourself. And God comes and says, I will offer you the covering." I will cleanse you of your sins and I will clothe you with my righteousness. I will take care of everything for you. Just turn from your sins and put your faith in my son. I sent my son to reconcile you to me. I sent my son so that your sins won't be counted against you. I sent my son there because he's the only way you can come to me. I sent my son there and out of my good pleasure where my the fullness of my presence and who I am dwelled in him so that through him he can reconcile all things to himself and you can have peace with me. This is what God is saying over and over again in the word of God. But you have to respond. You have to be one who sees that and sees that you are vulnerable before a holy and just God and that you are willing to truly repent and put your faith in Jesus and in Jesus alone. Beloved, this must come first. This must come first because you can't, you cannot, and, and listen carefully to this, you can't be the person, you can't be the man that God is calling on you to be unless you first are reconciled to Him. You can't be the husband that God has called on you to be and that you should be unless you are first reconciled to God. You can't be the father that you are supposed to be unless you are first reconciled to God. This is where it must start. Now, you may be sitting there thinking, well, I don't know about that because I'm not reconciled to God but I would say I'm a, I'm a pretty good man. I've seen, I know good men that are good husbands, that are good fathers, and they're not Christians. They don't, they don't follow Christ. Well, brother, let me just ask you some questions about that. Because they have a responsibility to love their wife the way Christ loved the church. But a man who's not reconciled to God can't do that. They have a responsibility to lead and to learn their wife and to make sure that their wife is being washed and exposed by the word of God and, and cleansed by the word of God. But beloved, if they're not a follower of Christ, that's not going to be the case. They're supposed to be setting the example for others to follow in their family, but that can't happen if they're not reconciled to God and a follower 
of Christ. They are to be instructing and discipling their children in the ways of the Lord from the Word of God, but if they're not reconciled to God and a follower of Christ, none of those things will happen. You see, we have to look at the standard God gives, not the standard that the world gives. Yeah, by the world's standards, no doubt, there are people who are not reconciled to God, who are not Christians and are not followers of Christ, from the world's standards would be good men, good women, good husbands, good wives, good fathers, good mothers. But that's not God's standard. Again, notice again, when you go back and you see... We, we find God's standards here in the book of Genesis. If you want to know what a man's supposed to be about, you want to know what a woman's supposed to be about, if you want to know what's supposed to be our priorities, you go back to the Creator. The Creator has given to us our priorities and how He has created things and how He established things. But those things are broken because sin has entered into the world and sin is in our life. Thus, we need to be reconciled to God. That is our greatest need. Our greatest need is to know Jesus Christ as our Savior and as our Lord. You see, beloved, we're just talking about manhood. Real Biblical manhood requires that that man recognize that he is dependent on God. If you go back, go back here and look in Genesis chapter 2. He's dependent on God for his very life. In verse 7, he wasn't even a living being until God breathed life into him. So he was dependent on God for that. Then we see in verse 8, the Lord God planted a garden towards the east in the Eden, and there he placed the man whom he had formed. So God even gave him the place where he was going to live. He was dependent on God for that. Then in verse 9, out of the ground, the Lord God calls to grow every tree that is pleasing in the sight and good for food. The tree of life is also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He gave him a river that was flowing out of Eden to the water, to water the garden, and it divided into four rivers. So Lord, the Lord, listen to this. The Lord gave the man his own life. He gave the man a place to live. He gave the man the food that he was need. He provided him the water. He provided him the trees. He provided him the food. He provided him everything that he would need. He told the man, he gave him his job. Verse 15, the Lord God took the man, put him into the Garden of Eden, and says, cultivate it and keep it. Man has been totally dependent upon God from the very beginning. And then man was told to live by the wisdom of God. Don't live by anything else. Live by the wisdom of God. When the Lord God then commanded the man, knowing what was best for man, and saying, there's a tree there, the knowledge of good and evil. Don't eat from that tree. Not only that, man was dependent upon God for a wife. Verse 18, God said, It's not good for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. And God did that for him. God gave man everything. Being a real biblical man starts with recognizing I am dependent upon God. He's my creator and I depend on him for everything. I have my life because of him. I have everything in my life because of Him. 
That's where it starts. But secondly, biblical manhood includes recognizing your design from God. That is, for you to be what God has created you to be, you need to see He's the one who has designed your life. That is, He's designed what it is to be a man. He's designed what it is to be a woman. He's designed that. You see, that's one of the things, this fundamental truth that has clearly come under severe attack in our nation, whereby somehow what it is to be a man or what it is to be a woman is now just up in the air. And when you just kind of decide what it is you think it should be to be a man and what it is you think it should be a woman. But beloved, it goes back to God is the designer, so we are to live by God's design. It goes back to even someone thinking somehow that their gender is up to them. It's not. God designs that. God decides that. Biblical manhood includes recognizing your dependency on God and recognizing your design from God. But thirdly, and don't forget this, and this ties it all back in with what we've been talking about, biblical manhood requires that you recognize your depravity before God. That you need to be reconciled to God. And your only hope your only hope is in Christ. No one else. You see, beloved, if you get these relationships out of order, and they can get out of order, even for us as believers, they can get out of order. That is, sometimes, even as believers, our relationship with God can take a back seat to our relationship with our spouse. Or it can even take a back seat to the relationship with our children. Or one of the more common mistakes that we can make as, as parents and as young parents is that we can have the order out of, out of place and that we can put our relationship with our children above our relationship with our spouse. But that's not the way it's supposed to be because again, go and follow the order from the creative order to the fall order. It was God and man then it was man with the woman, and then it was the man and the wife with their children. And notice something else. The man and the woman are supposed to be joined together as one. They're going to become one, but notice we're told in verse 24 of chapter 2 that the man, and this would include the wife as well, what are they supposed to do in regards to the relationship with their father and mother? Leave. They're supposed to leave. They're, they're supposed to go out. So, beloved, you see, and then you see even in the priority, who is it God approaches first? Man. Then we see it with the woman. We see how all this affects, how it affected man's relationship with God, how it affected his relationship with his wife, then how it affected his relationship with his children. Do you know how much easier it would be if we were having children and those children were without sin and we were without sin? But when Adam sinned, all that changed. Brother, what I'm saying for us this morning is, is that maybe for some of you here today, you may be under the conviction of the Holy Spirit about your sin, about your standing with God. Maybe for the first time in your life, or maybe this is just one other occasion where God is bringing some strong conviction in your heart and in your life about your sin and your standing with Him. 
that you need to come to Christ and come to Christ on His terms. That is, you need to truly repent and put your faith in Him. What I would say to you this morning is I would beg you, be reconciled to God. Come to Him. Call to Him. All who come to Him, if all who will genuinely come to Him and call to Him, are those that God is he, he's approaching you and He's calling to you. And you need to respond in saving faith. I would plead with you, come to Christ. Be reconciled to God. I'm not asking you to come to me. I'm begging you to go to Christ. He's the Savior. He's the one who lived for you. He's the one who went to the cross for you. He's the one who died for you. He's the one you're going to have to stand before and give an account. Call to Him. Call out to Him. So that you can be made right. You can be justified. You can leave here today in a right standing with God. Because the wonderful news of the Bible is that those who genuinely call and come to God on His terms through His Son, Jesus Christ, repenting of their sins and putting their faith in Him, He receives every one of them. Every single person that does that and is genuine. Beloved, God's Word is clear that for you to be the man or woman, the husband or the wife, the father or the mother, for you to be what God calls you to be, it starts with your being reconciled to God. But let me say this to us as believers. For us as believers, if we know this is the priority, again, for us to be a, a godly husband and a godly father it requires that you maintain that relationship with God, that it is the top priority in your life. It has to be the top priority in your life. Because everything flows from that. Everything flows from that. How I will be as a man will flow from how I am with God. How I will be with my wife flows from how I am with God. How I will be when my children comes from how I will am with God. That's where it starts. And that's really where it finishes. It's all in God. I want to ask you to bow your heads in prayer.